Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 10 of the Average to Elite podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today we are joined by Mr. Brad Shields. So one of the reasons why I want to get Brad on the show today was because essentially he is the definition of average to elite. In the context of rugby, he would have started out at school level rugby, and then he's played for Super Rugby, the Hurricanes. Uh, he's with the English Premiership team, Wasps, and that's how I first and foremost know Brad. And he's also gone on to represent England, which, as we would probably define as being elite, uh, the highest sort of level that you can play. So I always say that, you know, success leaves clues. So I really wanted to pick uh, Brad's mind today uh, to basically get a really good understanding of what that journey, what that process looked like. So we had a really good discussion about, you know, what his goal is, you know, what is your why, um, you know, how he looks to improve or self-development, um, you know, things like does he have any daily non-negotiables, how he overcomes setbacks, uh, how do you say perhaps mentally prepare for games and training sessions so you get the most out of himself, all the way to leadership qualities and how to sort of lead a team uh, to better improve themselves. So there's absolutely a ton of value and experience in today's episode, and I think you'll take loads, loads out of it. Um, so without further ado, let's get into today's show. So, Brad, um, a huge thank you uh, to jo- and joining me today in the Average Shirley podcast. Absolutely pleasure to have you on board. And now I think we're going to have a really sort of uh, good and valuable conversation. I think a lot of people can take you know, a huge amount of wealth and information from it. So, first of all, thank you for coming on board tonight. No worries, mate. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been listening to a few of your pods along the way. And obviously, always, like yourself, very interesting and um very knowledgeable, so um, hopefully I can live up to some sort of expectation that you've put on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd be sweet, you'd be real good. So, um, you know, at the time of recording this, it's still the sort of COVID pandemic, we're still in the restrictions and lockdown. Like, how have things been for you um, during this period in terms of your training, lifestyle and everything? I imagine quite a lot has changed, but is there anything that you've been uh, working on at the, at the moment? Yeah, it's um, it's obviously been a, a different time, and um, to be fair, like the first sort of four or five weeks, um, it sort of felt like a, almost like an off-season period, um, minus minus the holiday, uh, and the last sort of couple of weeks or, or three weeks, as you will, it's, it's sort of been a little bit tougher because you start to miss the game a bit more, um, you know, miss seeing all your teammates, being in an amongst an environment, all that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, the positive for us is. Is that we get well, for me? I get to spend so much time with my family and put some real hard yards in there. Where sometimes I'd, I'd probably be away, so that's been really good, and I can kind of focus my training around that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, the biggest focus for me going into this was obviously I've been injured leading up to, you know, being in and out of the team, played the last sort of three weeks of that competition before we came into it. So I just want to, I just want to get into a position where I'm really fit. Um, really healthy, get in really good shape, and then as soon as you know, whenever we get that green light, just be ready to go. Yeah, awesome. Like I think for a lot of guys, if I say niggling injuries or perhaps longer term injuries, like this layoff now has just been almost a blessing in disguise, where they could just really focus on make sure they're fit, strong, and healthy going back into it whenever it does uh, decide to sort of restart and kick off again. 
Yeah, that's it. And like, like you say, like some guys potentially could have missed the whole massive chunk of the season. I mean, I was lucky enough to come back in at the right time of the year. But, you know, it's, it's almost like everyone's going to be starting on a clean slate. And my dad actually mentioned that to me. I was on the phone to him earlier and he said it's crazy guys who would have thought they would have not played another game for a season could potentially be playing for the rest of the season. So um, it is going to be very interesting and almost create that even playing field with winning amongst squads and teams. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So um, before we get into the thick of today's podcast, um, I want to do a little bit of a section of getting to know Brad. So essentially a couple of really like quick fire questions in terms of like, um, you know, first of all, what got you into rugby? Um, it's an interesting question. I always I get asked this a lot, but um, for me, my dad was was my biggest you know influence since start playing, and I've been playing rugby since I was four years old. Um, but he used to just get me up, you know, and to watch whatever rugby was on TV, and I think that's where I sort of gained the passion for it. Um, growing up in New Zealand, it was obviously quite a popular sport. Obviously, the number one sport, whereas over here in England, but I'd, I'd probably say football is probably, you know, growing up, most kids will be playing that. So my dad sort of got me into it and it takes me back to, we lived below a mountain in, in a place called Wairu, which is like central North Island. Um, and basically it was freezing cold, frost, bare feet, playing touch rugby, like not really knowing what's going on, but just loving chucking the ball around and, and running for hours, you know, like what kids do. So that's sort of how I started and never looked back since. No, that's nice. That's nice. Didn't realise uh, rugby was big in uh, New Zealand. So, huge, huge. So, um, you know, for you, like, what is the best thing about playing rugby? What do you enjoy the most out of the sport? Um, I think, I think there's two parts for me. Um, you know, one is obviously the competitive side, and um, and I like to win and. And I think, you know, my, my, my dad, my parents, um, I like that as well. And he was obviously, my dad was very good at what he did. He was committed, um, you know, always looking to win, always looking for the best outcome, all that sort of stuff. So it sort of came more, sort of filtered down to me a little bit. Um, but so I like that aspect of it, uh, the physicality, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think I also enjoyed, you know, playing with my mates and playing with guys that you build good relationships with and enjoying playing because I think um, the biggest thing for me is and I, I suppose anyone in any sport if you don't enjoy it then it's going to be really hard to be motivated to do all those you know all those hard training sessions all the small things that probably get, get you to be in that professional area or whatever it might be so I think just enjoying it you know playing with my mates I've got mates all around the world that I've played with um, it's funny like coming to WASP um, Lee Masopuanga we, we played against each other and with each other when we were kids so um, you know, it sort of follows you around, and it's it's quite a unique experience that you get with with rugby. Yeah, that's real cool. And I think big thing that you mentioned, just like the whole enjoyability factor for anything. And I think with any form of sustainable approach, enjoyability is a massive element to it. Whether it's you know nutrition, S and C, whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to build, enjoyability has to be the foundation of what you're doing. Because, like I said, if you don't enjoy it, then you know you're just not going to really do it for very long. And, you know, those decisions, like those early mornings, like hard sessions stuff, uh, you know, they just seem a little bit harder than usual. So, yeah, completely agree with you there. That's cool. So in terms of like your career highlights, what do you say are, you know, the best thing so far? Number one. Uh, number one. Oh, it's tough. 
<laughs> I mean, obviously, um, there's, there's, there's two. There's just two highlights that stick in my mind. Like when you say that, uh, one, one is obviously making my international debut. Um, obviously, for every sports person or, or in team in particular or whatever it might be. Like for me, playing on the international scene has obviously been a goal, um, and, and playing for England was was a massive achievement for me, and, and something that I worked to for ten or eleven sort of seasons in the professional era, yeah, in my professional time as a player, um, and I think along with that sits pretty close because I know what sort of roller coaster ride we went through um, at the Hurricanes, but winning the Super Rugby title was the first time the Hurricanes had had ever won it um, in the. 20 years of the competition so um, for me to be a part of that you know that was that was pretty special because it was my hometown where I grew up um, so I think they I mean I think I think yeah I don't know I suppose they go hand in hand like you know successes you've got to make the most of all success and I think those two are definitely the biggest highlights that I can think of no that's real cool that's cool um, yeah. so last one before we really get into it so if you weren't playing rugby what sport would you be doing what do you take your fancy in um, well I only say this because it's, it's, the, it's the sport I had to choose between and I don't know if I was actually really good at it but I mean I, I managed to represent age grade um, and get to quite a high level but I played a bit of softball when I was at school um, and right up until I was about 17 or 18, when I when I left school, I had to sort of decide which sort of pathway to take. Um, and I guess rugby, I was a little bit more passionate about. Um, I could see a career almost like, you know, financially, not just financially, but um, there's a career that could take you around the world. Not that softball couldn't, but I mean, that was just my passion and what I loved um, that little bit more. So that made the decision a little bit easier. And um, here I am today, but yeah, I think softball is definitely up there. If not, I mean, I, I don't know any sort of team sport. I try to play everything when I was at school, just to keep out of trouble. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but very cool. That's nice. So I guess, like in the context of today's episode, average to elite be very much in the case of playing, say, uh, schoolboy rugby, and then going all the way through to the international stage and representing the country. So I famously think that, you know, you are the perfect person to speak about this. And like I mentioned, like success leaves clues. And I just love to sort of delve into different aspects of your like athletic development over the years and, you know, uh, see what we can pull out and just really offer um, the audience real like huge amount of value in this area. So before we get into that, I always like putting definitions and everything. And when we look at elite, um, we're perhaps looking like at the the end goal, like the ultimate. So for you, um, what does success look like to you in your eyes? And, you know, what is your end goal? Um, I think obviously success is, I mean, the definition of success, I suppose, is, you know, achieving goals that you set out. Um, but I also think on the flip side is, I think success is also dealing with a bit of setback. Um, and dealing with, and what I mean by that, I suppose, is when things aren't going quite your way, or maybe if, if, if you don't quite reach a goal, how you can adapt and, and move to a different sort of pathway and then overcome that. So that, I think that's, I mean, it obviously goes back to goals again, but I think that's success. And I think, and I, and I think success for me also is just um, being really competitive uh, in, in your area. And, and also just giving it your best shot because not everyone 
get like if you're in a, in a rugby team, you're not going to win every weekend, um, and that's you know that's part of failure, that's part of setbacks, all that sort of stuff. But I definitely think if you can come off the field um, and say so you've you've absolutely given your guts um, and you've given a performance that you can be proud of, then that's potentially successful as well because you can build on that and you can take confidence from that. Um, whether or not that's answering your question or I'm, or I'm sort of beating around the bush a little bit. But to me, that's what success is. And obviously my end goal for, for a rugby player is, um, is to make it to the top and to be at the top for, for a long period of time. And um, I was lucky enough, obviously, to play for England for a few tests. And um, look, if I could get another opportunity, and that's obviously in the forefront of my mind, um, to take it to the international scene again. Like, I'd, I'd love to be a part of it, but you've got to peel it back and think, OK, what's my success in the short term? Play well for Wasps win for wasps, um, be injury free, all that sort of stuff is a is, is small success, which all counts to the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you feel like your, you know, when you're doing your goal setting, did that sort of change throughout your sort of developments? So going from, say, um, for example, just schoolboy rugby into hurricanes, into wasps and England, did that sort of vision change or was it always like one clear vision from the get-go of representing your country? Um, I think broadly, like obviously my situation is slightly different in, in some other people where I, I mean, I, I played rugby in New Zealand for a long time and, um, you know, to, to try and force your cards and, or, or play your hand in that area and try and get to as far as I possibly could. And then I sort of had to veer off a little bit and, and try a different avenue. So for me, um, obviously being in New Zealand and I think, the biggest thing was realizing that what I've done, you know, isn't a failure in any sort of way. It's obviously been successful, but I didn't quite reach where I wanted to go. Um, and then this was a different opportunity to come over to England with, through my parents um, and look at a different avenue, like you say, um, to get to the top. And I think that's probably, that's really important. And someone who, who drives to be successful um, is trying to find different ways because it's not always going to go your way. There's always going to be little chinks or road bumps or whatever it might be, but it's how you sort of react, like I said before. And if you if you really want to give it a good crack, then you take them in your stride and then you and then you sort of crack on. If that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. It's just a case of being very adaptable. So obviously you got an end goal, but then the process is going to vary depending on you know what setbacks, what challenges, what roadblocks you have. So again, it's... yeah. No. I think about. I think. Uh, sorry. I think um, when you say that, I think the process. I think education is a lot of it as well. And like when you're young, like when I was young, I think I was quite naive to the fact that you know, like lots of people dream of being an international rugby star or playing for England or playing for the All Blacks or whatever it might be. But I think like along the way, you've got to realise what it actually takes. And you know, when you're young, sometimes the penny does doesn't drop. And guys until they're 25 or 26 but the earlier that you can recognize what needs to be done to get to that end goal or you've been given that knowledge or you can you know use your network to pair up with the right people surround yourself by good people people who train hard um, whatever it might be then I think you can realize those goals and they can be more achievable maybe or realistic potentially yeah for sure like just the the right environment the right culture that's going to facilitate your success essentially that support network um yeah, yeah totally for sure so i guess when you're looking at say obviously playing at this level um and sort of achieving like big goals like 
do you have like a particular like why you know um what particularly like, drives you to achieve this um well my 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 why over the years obviously changed um a little bit and i think that's important to know that it's okay if, if your if your why changes like originally when i was younger i think just that that determination to sort of you know win for the hurricanes um uh, you know once i got it, i mean playing for the new zealand under 20s you know we won the world cup there and that sort of that was my first taste of success uh, like big success on the world stage and i think i just wanted more of it and so my why was just trying always trying to be in the best possible position I could be, play for the best possible team I could, um, and that's obviously international rugby. So that was that was my main driver, um, and I think I think over time it sort of changed a little bit with um, obviously getting married, um, having kids, um, and all that sort of stuff. You start to do stuff, you know, that outside for them, um, like potentially um, like a career move, for example, in the future might be you got to look after yourself financially, for example, or whatever it might be. So um, I, want to, I want to make my family proud. Um, I want to make my kids proud. I want to make them to sort of be a role model for them and show them, um, you know, if, if you want to work hard, you can achieve um, what you set out to. So that's sort of part of my why now. I think they both go hand in hand. Like, like I said earlier, it's, um, it's obviously enjoyable to be competitive and winning and stuff like that. But I think there's another side to it, which is your, your balance in life as well. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I know, just ultimately very important to be aware of like what drives you and what your why is. Um, you know, just like we said before the podcast kicked off, really, it's just a case of it makes your decision making process much easier. Um, into, you know, yeah. like, obviously, you're going to have hard sessions, you're going to feel pretty beat up, sore at times, and it's just that desire and that drive to just keep on going. And, you know, if you have like a very concrete why and it's not, um, you know, and it's quite deep in nature, then, you know, it's easier just to push on. And, um, yeah, that's that's really cool, and it's nice to see how it's sort of adapted and changed over time. Because I think some athletes out there uh, will just maybe think like, "This is my why, and this is going to be concrete and set in stone for a very long time." And like you said, it's a right to sort of change your why and so on throughout the sort of process. Um, but I think just knowing what it is, you know, whether it's for two years, three years, ten years, is just very important as a driving force. Yeah, I think it's 100% like I say, it's important. And I think, like for me, I, I mean, because we, we do we do um, like questionnaires all the time when people ask you what your why is and stuff like that. And I think when I was younger, I think you don't quite understand what it means. Um, and you think, oh, this is why I do it because I love playing rugby or whatever. But like you say, it's very important to, to try and go a little bit deeper. And I sort of obviously found that out throughout my career as I matured and, and stuff like that. So I think, again, it's all right to sort of, get tripped up and sort of think uh, I'm not really too sure because it'll come eventually it's just you've got to put a bit of thought into it you know mm, absolutely it almost just takes time to develop that awareness um, yeah yeah so I really like this saying um, to become an overnight success it takes 10 years of hard work so I, I absolutely love that one so um, what do you feel has worked for you and led you to achieve you know your goal in terms of rugby so far um, I, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, without blowing too much smoke up my ass, um, <laughs> I think the I think the biggest thing for me is my work ethic, and uh, and I mean I got taught at a young age, um, you know, I played rugby at a school, a bit of background that that wasn't obviously the best rugby school. Like rugby was 
you know, the number one sport in the school, but we were playing Division 4 or Division 3 compared to all the top teams in New Zealand, which would play each other and play big competitions and all that. So we were outside that loop a little bit. And I guess I think I sort of learnt from a young age that if I really wanted to make it into the rep scene and, and go through the pathway that all those boys were doing, then I have to work a little bit harder than everybody else. Um, so I think that sort of stuck with me throughout my career is that, you know, even, even if you've got a day off, there's always something that you can do to, to get a little bit better. Um, you can always spend another extra couple of minutes doing a, a micro skill or something that, you know, maybe you need to get a little bit better with or, or even your strength or something like that. So um, I definitely think work ethic um, and, and in that space broadly um, definitely is, is probably number one. Yeah, very cool. So do you feel like um, sort of, you know, always wanting to try and do something, always looking to improve that you could potentially burn out with that sort of mindset and work ethic? Do you have to be sort of really like cautious with yourself from perhaps experience of trying maybe just push a little bit too much and burn out? Whether it's like, right, I know this is perhaps overdoing it a little bit and pull stuff back. Are you quite aware with that? Or um, I wasn't. And that was probably, I, I guess, uh, just recently, um, with that uh, leading up to the World Cup when I injured my foot um, and, and then wasn't available for selection initially um, you know I think I think that's my was was my first experience where I tried too hard to come back too quickly um, I tried to train my way out of it mentally um, I tried to just crack on like like it wasn't an issue and say oh I'll try I'll be ready whatever um, and I think I did burn out a little bit and I think more mentally than anything but I think so. So what I learned from that, I guess, is just to try and be a little bit smarter. And obviously, the, the older you get in your career, you can't do as many things as you did when you were younger, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I guess it's definitely working smarter. And, and that's when planning comes into place. And, and obviously, what I did was when I got injured, I, I, it took me a while, but address what I was doing, uh, address the problem, and then somehow come up with a plan um, that I could move forward to and try and stick to. And that's what I've kind of been doing. And and like sometimes, like what I used to do on like a day off, instead of doing, I don't know, like a rowing session with a mix with weights or something like that, it might be a stretch session or a yoga session. So I think there's always a, there's always something else you can do. I think it's just being smart about it. It took me a while to figure that out. And I reckon I've only just sort of figured that out as a, as a player in the last sort of year, year and a half, which is, which is crazy. Cause I mean, everyone wants to be the best. And, and if you want to be the best, you're going to have to work hard. And I think definitely there's a fine line between overworking and, and underworking you've got to find that right mix and like I said before it's, it's education as well do you think that's in part like the sort of education from support staff so S&C physios and so on uh, but then again just knowing yourself as well and knowing how you respond to certain training stimulus and everything yes yeah, obviously it comes with experience and, um, and and learning about your body what your body can handle like what I can handle and what someone else can handle could be completely opposite completely different I might need to run an extra kilometer or two kilometers to feel ready for a game whereas someone might not want to run the extra k or doesn't need to you know um, so I think definitely experience and understanding your body but 100% agree with um, with your facility and, and the people around you your network and your coaching staff and the, and the management staff or whatever it might be trying to trying to come up with a plan and, and, it, and it involves trial and error like there's definitely going to be some yes and no and didn't work for me, try something else. But, I mean, that's how you learn, isn't it? So, I mean, mm. it's a massive part of it. And, and make the most, like, especially in a sports environment and a team environment, 
you've got most people have got access to somebody like for us at Wasp, we've got the access of like like for yourself, which is a massive bonus for us. And um, you know, if you didn't have it, then you kind of you're kind of guessing which can lead you down the wrong path. So I think it's massive that you use use who's there um, when you can. Yeah, use your you, yeah use your resources. Um, so in terms of like just looking at that, then like how do you look to improve in on a whole? Do you tend to perhaps look at improving your weaknesses, or do you look at trying to play to your strengths and really double down and improve that? Do you have sort of like any thoughts on that in terms of how you go about uh, improving yourself? Yeah, I um I used to. So when obviously when I when I uh, was trying to crack it in New Zealand, um, you if you don't make something, obviously you get told why you didn't make it, um, and that can obviously be perceived as a weakness. So I think for me, I'd always, if, if I didn't make a team or we didn't win something or I didn't get to quite fulfill my goal or whatever it might be, I'd always think, why, you know, someone's told me this, this must be a weakness. So I'll be like, oh, I've got to fix that. I've got to fix that. I've got to put all my energy into that. Um, and I think this sort of lockdown bit has actually shown me that, um, you know, like I said before, I went through an injury sort of patch through the season. I didn't quite get a, through a good preseason. I didn't quite get through enough game time to get match fit. So I want to really take this time to work on one of my strengths, which is my work ethic and work rate. And I can't do that if I'm not fit enough. So I've taken this time to really work on my strength with my aerobic fitness, repeated effort, all that sort of stuff. So by the time I get back to rugby, I know I've got that in the bank. I've done some work on my strengths, which is the most important because it's got you to where you are today. And I can work on some of those weaknesses. But I think... I mean, it's, it's a tough one, but I definitely think, um, like, if I had three, three, three skills I needed to work on, one would probably be a weakness, two would probably be a strength now. But it took a bit of time for me to realise that. Do you feel that sort of changes between, like, the sort of technical, technical stuff and the fitness, or is it kind of just um, same sort of way of thinking across the board? Um I'm not sure. I think um, I think for the technical stuff, because like I mean, for example, like we we pass and catch a ball. How many times do you do that at training? You probably lose count. Um, but you always seem to be working on it. Uh, so no matter what, no matter what bar or whatever team you get to, whether you're playing at an international level, it always seems like the most basic skills are being repeated all the time. So I guess that's. I mean, whether or not they're hugging, what's actually question, but whether or not that's saying, you know, strength, work on your strengths is the, is the most important. And I think, um, go back to the question, you might have to edit this out. <laughs> or go ask the question again. I sort of lost, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so in terms of like the, you know, are we trying to work on our strengths or are we trying to work on our weaknesses? And does that really change whether you're looking at, say, the technical, tactical stuff or versus like the, you know, the more the athletic development side of stuff? Yeah, I, I, so I, yeah, okay. I definitely think that um, you know the technical and technical side is a little bit different. And in rugby, for example, um, you can you, you can understand the game of rugby to a certain extent, but if you if you don't go and look at a computer and understand your defence or understand your role as a as a player, like if you're not good at that, the only reason you can do that is by asking questions, look at a computer, do your homework, and that's how you get better. So I definitely think the you know that for me. Obviously, as a young guy, a weakness would be understanding the game of rugby. Obviously, the older you get, the more involved you get, the more you look at computers naturally, all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a there's a little bit different. Whereas, 
looking at the fitness and maybe the physicality side of rugby, like that's your bread and butter, maybe that's what you, that's your that's your talent potentially, um, and you know all the other stuff around it is almost like I've got to work real hard at all the other stuff to be that little bit different or be that X Factor player sort of thing. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, totally for sure. Um, yeah, I think you said like you almost got like the foundational um, skill set, i.e., you know, passing the ball and so on. And then you're just looking at the difference, perhaps the strategy, the tactic based on who you're playing and so on, and how you can perhaps improve yourself to, um, to be better against that opposition, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean, and don't get me wrong, you like for rugby, you don't want to spend all your time worrying about everybody else and forget about yourself. So I think. Uh, most important you've got to look after yourself and, and, and your role in the team or um, you know your ability because if you get tied up with thinking about too much it starts to become a bit complicated so there's always a, a bit of time and there's always a place to, to worry about that stuff I think yeah true. specific <laughs> yeah yeah true true cool so you know you talk a lot about sort of um, work ethic and discipline um, so with discipline, do you have say, any sort of daily non-negotiables? So things you have to do on a daily basis, like no matter what, you know, before you go to bed, like if you've done say four or five things, then you know you could go to bed rested and you're happy that you completed like a solid day. Yeah. Um, well, it used to be that my non-negotiables would be train every day, um, some <laughs> form of training. Uh, but as as you alluded to before, you can you can burn out as as I found out you can burn out from that sort of stuff. So um, I think for me uh, is is definitely doing something every day. Um, like for example, if I if I have big days on a like a running weights day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday might be more rehab, um, hypertrophy stuff. That's not gonna not gonna ruin me. Um, you know, Saturday might be like a circuit type based. Something, something a little bit different and Sunday might be a stretch. Um, but I think on all those days, I definitely think the one thing I'm trying to get into my game because I'm getting older as well is, is sit down for 20 minutes and just stretch and limber up. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest non-negotiables for me at the moment, just knowing my body, um, where I've come to, the injuries I've had, it's sort of, it's a necessity now. And um, and I wish I sort of thought that earlier. I wish I realised that earlier, but I guess, like you say, experience. Um, comes in all different shapes and forms so for me learning about that now is, is probably non-negotiable and I think um, that's probably the biggest thing for me yeah yeah that's that's really interesting I think like that's pretty similar across um, all different sports and all different athletes when they're younger they just don't care about looking after themselves all the prehab work all the stretching all that kind of stuff um, you know they just don't see the value in it in that moment in time but when it comes to these things like you just have to pay it forward because it will know pay you back massively it will be a huge return of investment there in terms of overall health and longevity of your career and stuff so yeah it's good that's locked in as a a daily non-negotiable that's that's really good to hear i think um on on top of that like i'm not just saying that because i'm on a nutrition course but i think learning about myself and what i need fuel wise food wise and all that stuff i certainly think um you know six out of seven days in the week my non-negotiable is to try and eat as 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 uh what's the word um routinely as possible or as specific as possible to my training um i used to like like you say like younger used to kind of just sort of go with the flow a little bit and and recently obviously like you know it's about learning sort of a little bit more in depth and 
understanding what you need for each session and all that sort of stuff. And But I think there's also a balance. So my non-negotiable for a week, for example, um, is to switch off and sort of have that, I don't know, like a cheap meal or, or, or something that's going to be like, oh man, I've been waiting for this all week sort of thing. So for me, that's a big non-negotiable because balance for me is massive. And you, like you say, you talk about burnout before, you can burn out from all types of different things. And if you're so focused and, and so sh- like, tunnel vision for something for so long you can get burnt out from that so it's okay just have a bit of balance and switch off for a couple of minutes or switch off for an evening or something like that so i think that's that's massive as well yeah for sure do you um do you feel like you can switch off quite well from rugby do you feel like you've got quite a nice balance between home family life and rugby or is it kind of just intertwined and you can't really um sort of differentiate them um i thought i had a really good balance uh being in lockdown I've realized that um, I was probably bringing a lot of work stuff home and, and like you say, intertwining a little bit. And that's okay, I suppose, to a certain extent. But um, I think, yeah, I think there needs to be a more work at home or have a, have a specific time for family, um, all that sort of stuff, um, because it's definitely something that I've been working on most recently and realizing in the lockdown, like realizing how much rugby actually took over your life because it's almost like now in the lockdown, it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm not like worried about playing. I'm not, well, I haven't been worried about what's happened during the day because there's been no training or I'm not frustrated at the moment, all that sort of stuff. And actually, you know, so I think that's a, a good lesson for me to take out of it is definitely have more balance and be able to leave that work-life balance, leave work at home, home is for home and, and all that sort of, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like just, um, just having like really good structure with your days at the moment, you're just paying dividends to that. So uh, you get your training done these times, eat at these times, and then rest of the day is, you know, it's family time. You know, you put all the work beside, all the training to bed, and, you know, you could be the family man, the family guy. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's, like, it's almost like endless time at the moment, isn't it? And um, and I suppose that's the, the, one of the best things I've had given to me, what you gave me, is that is that daily structure, that daily plan, um, hour by hour. Not Not like you say, not that you have to be like, you know, so strict in every hour and you can be half an hour or whatever. But I think I thought I was going to struggle and I thought I'd struggle quite bad without a routine. Um, but because I've come up with my own routine, uh, knowledge of what you've given me, uh, a few other people have given me some advice as well. It's just, it's just made it a little bit easier. And like you say, when, when you've done training, everyone knows how good you feel after you've done training. Not, maybe not so much before, the motivation is to get out there and do it. But once you've done it, you're like, it's, it's a weight off your shoulders and you can actually like focus on whatever you need to do for the next two hours. And then when it comes time to train again, if it's twice a day, then you go through that same process. And then like you say, switch off at night time. So it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely changed my mindset a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And now, like again, this sort of COVID lockdown is almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise because we could work and developing good structure there. And hopefully now we can carry it into the season when it restarts. So yeah, that's sweet. That's really cool. So, so moving on. So when we look, I say setbacks, you know, it doesn't matter what sport you're in, what kind of athlete you are, you are, you will have setbacks in some way, shape or form, whether it's an injury, a big loss or so on. Um, you know, what have you felt that you've had to do to sort of overcome them? Like in terms of the mindset side of stuff? Um, yeah, I've had uh, a touch wood. Um, I've been pretty fortunate throughout my career with injury and stuff like that. Like I've had obviously a couple of big ones that, you know, unfortunate times, but um, like when my first year in Super Rugby, uh, I played two years for, I'm not sure if many people know what the Martin Cup is, which is sort of the next level down in New Zealand Super Rugby. 
Um, I did my knee quite badly and had to, you know, I got a massive bit of cartilage was chipped out of my kneecap. So it put me out for the whole, for the last game of Super Rugby and put me out for the whole of the Mitre 10 Cup. Um, and I was young, like I was just so keen to just get amongst it. And that was really difficult. But I think when I was younger, training sort of helped me with that. Um, I just, I, I was in bed for seven weeks. So that was like the worst time of my life, <laughs> uh, basically. But once I got out of bed, like I just did everything, I trained as much as I could. And that was a good, at that time, that was a good, um, you know, get me mentally occupied. And, and you got less cares as well when you're a kid. Uh, when you're a little bit younger, I think as I've, as I've come through my career, um, I didn't really have too many massive injuries. I suppose the losses um, and the setbacks of not making teams was, was probably the biggest one. Um, and I, I sort of always think, like, if I didn't make a team or didn't make something that I thought I was going to or maybe that someone told me that I was going to, then you kind of get your hopes up when that happens a little bit. So I guess the thing I live by is just back to the drawing board. And, um, again, I suppose that's one of my characteristics that I've picked up from my, my parents is, um, OK, address it, you haven't made it. Uh, probably less formal than this, but okay, what do I got to do now? And and it's basically get back on the horse um, and try and fight again. And and that's probably something that I, I always sort of go back to is just keep fighting and keep trying. Like when we lost the 2015 Super Rugby final to the Highlanders, like we knew we were a better team on paper. We knew we were better, but I just don't think we possibly believed deep down that we could win. And as soon as we lost that final whistle, like the chat in the change rooms was like, man, I can't wait till next year. Man, I can't wait to play in the next season. We're going to definitely win next year. Like, I think that's a, that's a massive mindset is almost like you have to address what's been and then project your mind to the future and sort of set your goals again. Like we said before, maybe you've got to take a different path. Um, and then most recently, obviously with my foot uh, leading up to the World Cup, like a big part of me wanting to come over to England was to play for England and, and try and make it to the World Cup and getting injured uh, sort of, you know, screwed it up a little bit and whether I would have got picked or not, I'm not too sure. But I think you can see how times have evolved. But I think for me, I, I went back to when I was a kid and I was like, man, I just need to train it out like I said before, just keep working hard and it will be fine. But that was probably the wrong approach. I had to sort of take a couple of breaths and, um, and you know, admit that it was it's a big blow and understand that there's a lot of sort of hurt from that and, and you've worked so hard to get where you, you are and to have that taken away through some stupid little injury, like it's important that you reflect on that. So it took me a little while to realise that and I, I sort of, like I said, I burnt out a little bit. But once I started talking to people um, and understanding, you know, it's okay to, to feel shit about that and, and you've got to write down what you've done or you've got to go through a process and then again, focus moving forward. So I think the biggest advice, you know, and losses and setbacks or whatever it might be is definitely feel upset, definitely feel sad about it. You've got to address it, understand it, and then, okay, what's my next move? What do I, what have I got to do to get moving forward and get back on the horse again? And it might be different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess just case of, yeah, just stand back, reflect, and like I said, take some time think do like we have a needs analysis so what do I need to work on what does that roadmap and that blueprint look like and then just keep going at it um and that comes I guess down to a lot of it of a part of your work ethic in terms of just being able to sort of push through like okay this has happened now we have to sort of realign and readjust and what's the new goal and then go for it that way so you've got a different process to that new end goal essentially yeah and, and it's like anything like 
obviously to to a different scale, but it's like grieving. You you've got to get through it, and you've got to do it somehow. Like lots of people out there probably missed out on jobs or or missed out on something that they probably thought they should have got or they should have deserved. But at the end of the day, you're gonna like you say, you're gonna have some some pretty massive setbacks in your life, um, whether it's sporting related or, or everyday life. And if, if you if you sort of bottle that up and push it to the side, then it's eventually going to come out and bite you in the bum at, at some stage. So you might as well address it then and there, you know. Mm, that's what I've learned. That's I mean that's definitely what I've learned over uh, the most recent times. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that two or three years ago. Yeah. And again, that's just talk coming from experience. Um, you know, yeah. you know, probably a, a far wiser individual in terms of how to deal with this, and hopefully touch wood it never happens again. But um, you know, you yeah. have that knowledge and you know how to sort of deal with it perhaps more appropriately now, and you only get that yeah. through real experience. You know, I think a lot of people can almost give you the right advice, but unless you go out and actually do it, you don't really experience it and you don't learn um, as effectively as you could do. Hundred percent, I totally agree with that. Okay. So in terms of, um, I guess, preparation side of things, you know, you played in a lot of big games. Um, how do you sort of mentally prepare for a game? And I guess like not only for a game, but like even if it's just a hard training day, like, you know, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to suck. If you're doing like a Bronco and stuff like that, you know, you're going to be in some pain. Like, how do you sort of mentally get in the zone and prepare yourself for that? Um, yeah, I reckon that, you know, that's probably something that I hate the most is like a hard training session um, and you know because you know you've, you've done fitness sessions a lot you know what's coming and I, and I probably get more nervous for those than what, than what I do playing a game of rugby you know I don't, I don't know why um, it's almost like that little bit of confidence that you need like shit you've done this a million times before you'd be fine like whatever but I, I suppose it's once you get into it you're like what was I even worried about but maybe that's that competitive side of me that little bit of edge not wanting to let myself down or something like that but I think for me that you know being nervous for a game is a little bit different to be nervous for a training session um, and I think for a game like you're nervous because you've done the work and, and you care about what you're going to do on the field and you understand that you've been through all your technical your tactical your physical stuff during the week um, and you're nervous that you know you want to you want to play well and you want to do the right thing and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a little bit of difference there, whereas training sometimes like, shit, this is going to be hard. I'm going to have to grind, <laughs> grind this out. Um, but yeah, like like preparation for me, obviously understanding a bit of preparation. I'm, I'm a bit of a, um, I don't really have too much that's set in stone. I think the more or less the things that are set in stone for me is like preparation during the week with my training, um, you know, setting out what my week sort of looks like. Um, and I suppose, leading into a game, like my nutrition, what I'm eating, what, how I'm fueling, how I'm loading for a game, what my specific sort of routine is. For example, like visualisation the night before, I might sit down for 10 minutes and just visualise me going through my role. might get my book out for 10 minutes and just see what my role is in these different things. Like you think um, it sounds pretty simple, but for me, it's like, okay, if I know it, if I go over it and I understand it, then I don't have to think about it on the field. I can just play on the field. And the ultimate goal, something that I've been chasing throughout my whole career, is just trying to play as simply as possible and make make the game rugby simple and, and for what it is. Um, and that's only how you get through your preparation during the week and, and your understanding and, and during the week. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. And and I've definitely seen the weeks that I don't do it right or the weeks that I've sort of been like, oh, I don't need to do that. I'm good. 
you can actually notice it now that you think back on it or you you review your game you're like man I, sh- I don't usually do that why did I do that oh, because I didn't do this during the week or they're not saying that things need to be set in stone and um, you need to stick to you know be you know sticking to everything that you write down on a piece of paper but I definitely think there needs to be some sort of guidance for yourself um, but yeah I'm, I'm a joker I like to sort of stay quite relaxed before a game and and some guys do some guys don't so I try and sort of surround myself with a couple of guys that uh that take it quite easy because I think for me when I want to think about playing rugby it's like almost like you know 30 40 minutes before the game that's when I'm like man I'm, I'm ready for this now if I think about it too early that's when I start complicating things and I get worried and like I said I get too nervous <laughs> And also a real interesting thing you said there in terms of like just overcomplicating the process because I know a lot of people will like, even like from the nutrition standpoint, like obviously from nutrition, we work in principle based, i.e., you know, so like I said, carbohydrate loading, tapering carbohydrates and portion sizes into a game where some boys will just be like so on it, like, you know, 1.5 hours out of three, six, like to the minute. Like I say, that's a rough guideline, but they'll be there with a stopwatch. And, you know, if it doesn't yeah. quite go right and they miss that window by like 25 minutes, you know, it just plays with the head and they get loads of like overwhelm. And, you know, they're thinking more about the nutrition and stuff as opposed to the actual game itself, which is crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I always like to think of from the nutrition side of it, just keep things as simple as possible. So, you know, you've got confidence in the approach by the principles I use. But then you got still got a ton of headspace to focus on the game in hand and the nutrition or whatever you do, warm up and stuff like that. It doesn't take out too much like mental energy because ultimately yeah. if you're burnt out mentally going into a game and your head's fried because you're focusing on how many carbohydrates you're having in 30 minutes beforehand, you know, it's not necessarily the right way to go about doing it. I like to keep things simple. Yeah, oh, I 100% I agree. And I always, I won't say the name of the player, but, um, I remember going down to like was when I was quite young, going to into a team like pre-match meal, and he was going ballistic, absolutely ballistic that there was no porridge or no oats um, for him to eat before the game because that was something he did every week. And I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. Uh, for me personally, I, I won't, I don't necessarily eat the same dinner the night before a game. You know, if it's got the same value, then I'll change it up a little bit, obviously. Um, but yeah, I just think, and I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, if someone served me a hard-boiled egg instead of a poached egg, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But I think that's what I want to be like because if something, like you say, something does change a little bit, you can adapt to it and it doesn't take up all your headspace. Um, maybe maybe if I didn't strap my wrist or something before a game, then I'd start to worry about, you know, 10 minutes before, shit, I don't have my, my wrist strap. I've done this for the last 10 years. What am I going to do? Maybe that. But it's, it's second nature now, so I don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> Uh, for sure do you do like anything from the training side of it to prepare yourself so say the day before do you do any say like um i guess like sort of primer sessions or anything like that do you do anything specific like within say 24 36 hours before you play to make sure you're fresh yeah. into it yeah so so we obviously do our, our team session um generally the day before the game um and i like to kind of get a good you know good heart rate good sweat breathe heavy, all that sort of stuff. But it's only short. It's not like it's massive. Um, so you can recover reasonably quickly for it. But I like to know that I've given myself a little bit of a tickle up just before we play. Um, and then game day, like I've been doing this for the last sort of five years now, six years now, is, is a primer on game day. And I think for me, that's just sort of taking my mind from from being out of rugby 
from all Friday night, sort of Saturday morning or whatever it might be, if it's an afternoon game, then doing a bit of like doing maybe a big stretch session, a couple of plyometrics, a couple of sprints or something like that, or touching the ball, it sort of starts to um, switch that rugby side on. Now, obviously, like I said before, I don't want to start too early, but for me, I think I'm just getting into that routine. Um, and that's probably probably the only thing, obviously, depending if the game's at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm not getting up at 4 o'clock to do a, a primer or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think for me, that's what works and gets my body ready more than anything. And I know that if I've done that in the morning, um, I can relax for the next couple of hours. And then by the time I hit the field, I know that I've, what I've done is um, is adequate to, to play, you know, playing the best I possibly can. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think it's almost just like a um, little bit of a checklist and, you know, that's your countdown that started. And like I said, you don't sort of overly sort of zone in on, in on the game, but you're more perhaps more mindful of the preparation side of it and uh, leading into kickoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we look at a, especially like rugby team sports and obviously, um, you know, you do have teammates and so on. So how do you feel from like a leadership standpoint, you get the most out of the players around you? Um, I think the biggest thing for me um, would, would probably be understanding the players or understanding your teammates and, and like, I mean, obviously don't get it right all the time. And, but I think spending a bit of time with people, you start to realize what makes them tick a little bit. Can you have a joke with them? Can you not? And I think, um, for me, you know, it's just understanding what, how to talk to somebody at a certain time or, um, you know, what your team needs, whether your team needs to be shouted at um, before the game to get everyone, you know, blood flowing or adrenaline, all that sort of stuff, or whether it's a calm, like, you know, emotional, meaningful chat, you know, it might be a tap on the bum for someone, you know. So I think that's probably the biggest thing, what I've learned in the last sort of five or six years being in a couple of leadership roles in teams is, is definitely understanding your players First, understand yourself um, is, is massive part of it. Understand how you can, you know, influence others and how you can potentially drive standards and all that sort of stuff. But I also think you've got to understand players as well and, and, and the people around you because, I mean, your way is not necessarily the only way. And I think that's where some some coaches maybe trip up a little bit is that they've got one rule, this is how they deal with everybody. And that's not, not the way I think it, especially the way the game's evolved now is, understanding and being aware of people around you for sure you know like especially in say rugby you got so many guys from different backgrounds different personalities and trying to sort of have one sort of message uh to everyone is just not going to work even from like yeah, my yeah. nutrition perspective it's a case of i don't i have the same kind of underlying message but my approach with different people is comp- you know it changes very much person to person based on the education level how they like to sort of be like interact with, to like things so visually, to like sort of data side of stuff. So you have really have to meet them at their level for sure. And it's just interesting yeah. to hear about sort of just reading like almost like reading the room, like, you know, do you shower them? Do you have like an emotional chat with them and a meaningful chat? Um, no, it's it's really cool. It's like in, in, in rugby, obviously, you know, you got your you get your role or you get the game plan at the start of the week. And like you say, you know, the biggest thing for us is we've got three or four different ways we learn it. First, it goes up on a screen. You know, second, you've got the chance to talk through your pair about, you know, how, how your role looks, if they know anything more, or if you want to go through it together. And then you go for a walk through outside and then you go and train it. And, and someone along the line might miss a step, but that's the most important step for them. And if they 
if you don't do a walkthrough for the sake of 90% of the team because they already know it, that 10%, if you get out on the field, then that could let you down in a massive game. So I think that massively what you said is just you know understanding how people learn as well and um, and making sure you tick all those boxes, not just because you think everybody knows it, but because you know this is how this person works. Mm, yeah, true, very true. Like what I'm doing now is actually uh, personality profiling you all. That uh, is nice, oh, and, yeah. nice and fun. <laughs> Got a huge, <laughs> huge folder, loads of notes on your voice. So basically, from my perspective, like the more I know you and know how you think, the better I can engage and educate you. Um, so no, that's really cool. Something I'm working on, and you know, it's very similar oh, nice. to like your way of thinking as well in terms of just meeting the boys at their own level and what they actually need instead of just one overriding sort of message. It's just like rah, just like one loud. Yeah. Comment. So no, that that's that's real cool. So so needing to say the last question now, and I uh, you know everybody loves a top three. So say for example, you got a young sort of player coming up. Um, what kind of three key bits of advice would you give to them? Um, I, 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 I couldn't, I don't think I've got three, but I, I, I can give you two. Um, and I, this, these are sort of, one of them I've sort of learned um, is, is pretty important over time, which might lead into a third one. And I think one is definitely like, I've probably already mentioned it a few times, but the first one I reckon talent only gets you so far and, and it's the work you put in extra or it's the work rate that you have, the work ethic you have outside of that that's going to take you to the next level. Um, I think I've seen so many players uh, that I've played with in age grade who have been the most like outstanding player, score all the tries and stuff like that. But when it gets down to the crunch time, it's almost like, well, they expect it or they think they should be there just talent alone. But I think talent only gets you so far and it's, it's the work you do outside of that and the extra stuff that you can do behind closed doors that's going to make a massive difference. That's one of my biggest pieces of advice and something that I've definitely lived my career and my life by. Um, the second part to the to the advice, I think, would something that I've just been, uh, I've learned, well, not recently, but in the sort of the last three or four years, is use the people around you. Use your, use your network. Um, use people who understand um, your sport, uh, whether it be players, coaches like yourself, part of the management and don't be afraid to ask questions because um you know like sometimes you know the old saying you don't ask you don't get and you know if you, if you don't ask what you need to work on you don't ask what you're good at through someone else you're not going to get given an answer and sometimes you know the best answers are like mate you're playing amazing rugby and some people aren't going to say that to you so i think you know asking and, and using using who's around you to build your education and your knowledge um, in different areas probably are the, are the two biggest things for me and ha third thing I've got a third thing advice is having a good balance having a good life balance you know you want to be don't get me wrong you want to be 100% committed to the cause uh, to be the best sportsman or sportswoman uh, rugby player whatever it might be you want to be the best and you want to put all your effort into it but I definitely think there's a time to switch off and, and chill because like you say like you said earlier you can burn out so I think those are the top top three things that um, that I would give if, if you know wants to listen to it <laughs> no that that's really good that's strong that's uh, I really like those recommendations and you know I think if like athletes coming through the ranks now listening to that you know really sort of take that heart because you know it is very very true and especially like why I can resonate with was the second one in terms of I just see athletes um, just leave a lot of like intact potential on the table just because they're not using the resources around them 
whether it is a case of nutrition, strength and conditioning, doing their rehab work, prehab, whether it's a case of sports psychology, they're just you know not utilizing everything and they're just just leaving so much on the table and it's just quite um disappointing to see really. So that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a massive one to sort of look at. Just sort of like just utilize and rinse every sort of resource you can because from the coach's perspective, like all we want to do is help you to our best ability. So, you know, all you have to do is just rock up and ask and we're always gonna be here to help you. Yeah, I agree. And 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 most people, uh, I wouldn't say everybody, but definitely most people are, are quite open to helping and um and, and trying to do what's best for the athlete, hundred percent what you're saying. Like everyone just wants to help and see people be successful and and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, you're going to get the odd character, whatever sport it might be, that um, you definitely might need to veer off and, and as we say, choose a different path or, or change your goal a little bit. But it's all part of professional sport and, and trying to be a professional athlete. No, Brad, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think uh, everybody, again, will take huge minus of value from today. And um, if uh, people want to get to know you a little bit more, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Uh, yeah, so I've, I've obviously just got an Instagram page. Um, it's just Brad Shields. Um, and basically, you know, just sort of that's, I don't really post too much. Um, just me and bas- basically about my life and um, dancing a bit, of rugby, a, bit of fa- a bit of family. Oh, that's um, <laughs> a little bit of dancing. You know, you got to have that good work-life balance. And this is the chance for me to connect with my family. So if I can keep uh, my daughter from, from, um, from crying and keeping her happy, then... Um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to dance like a monkey for her. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Yeah, but if, but if, if anyone wants anything, drop me a message on um, on Instagram. Hopefully, uh, uh, if I see it, then um, I'll, I'll try and reply or, or whatever it might be. So, so yeah, if anyone wants anything, just by the way. Awesome stuff. Very cool. And Brad, thanks again uh, for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And uh, uh, yeah, really appreciate and value your time. Oh, 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 oh,